Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio with Dr. Paul Jenkins, where you will hear inspiring stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Feed your mind with a regular dose of positive energy and show up for your life every day on purpose. Living on purpose means that you have a purpose and you do it intentionally. And now, here's your host, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life with another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. My guest today is Lacey Elena Bentley. Welcome to the show, Lacey. Hey, Dr. Paul. I'm glad to be here. I am so glad you're here. We've known each other for a while. Yeah, a few minutes. A few minutes at least. Yeah, maybe 10, 12 years. I don't know. (laughs) You know what, folks? Just to give you a heads up, um, I have noticed that this woman is on a mission. And I don't know if you characterize it that way, uh, Lacey, but you've been working on a few things for quite some time. In fact, you and I have consulted about some of those things on several occasions. Yeah, we have. And I just saw recently um, that you have come out with your book. And I am so excited for that. I've got a copy of it here on my computer right now, Overcoming Love Addiction. Can you just take a moment and share with us uh, just a little piece of your journey. What is it that led up to this? And, and we'll talk more about the book too and its contents, but tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you get to this point? I would definitely call it a mission or a movement. Uh, I just realized, hey, I've got these life experiences. I've got the stuff I've learned over the last 20, 30 years. We won't go into exactly how old I am, right? And uh, A decade or more. Uh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I felt like I want to do something to give back. And so I went, okay, this is information I have. This is stuff I've been studying. These are life experiences I have. So what can I do to help other women come to themselves Mm -hmm. to help other women recognize the power they have to create the life they want with what I know and what I know how to do is create a marriage and a family, and a life that's based in integrity, recovery, principles, and mm-hmm. fidelity to self and values and you know, and spouse and family. And so I put it all together in this book. It's also part of my amends journey, if you will, because, you know, we all have things to make amends for. We all have things to clean up in our lives. Mm, my way sure. of, yeah, yeah. And this is my way of saying, hey, me too. I've messed up too. And let me teach you what I've learned so that you don't have to go through 25 years of therapy and counseling and programs. Mm -hmm. Give it to you the best way I know how. When you said principle just now, it's not luck, is it? No, it's hard work and true principles. Well, work is one of those principles, I believe. That's true. And these principles allow us to change the outcomes, to get different outcomes. Now, um, as we get into your topic, you've mentioned a few things that piqued my interest here. Your, your target our audience is women, yeah. which you have a whole lot more experience with than I have because I, I'm a man. Um, and they're different, aren't they? Men and women. Bit. 
Yeah, a little bit. You think? Yeah, <laughs> I do. <laughs> Just a little. Now, principles are always the same. That's true. We can apply the same principles. Like, for example, I'm looking at your book, and you've you've thrown out a few here, like accountability. Um, I see honesty here. I see gratitude. Yeah. So you're not um, you're not diving into some mystical hoo hoo magical solution to a problem. You're going back to some really basic principles that actually make a difference when we apply them instead of getting stuck in some kind of a victim mode that has us perpetually spinning our wheels. Yeah, exactly. What have you learned? Um, I've learned that people are people (laughs) and Mm -hmm. we are all dealing with very similar things. The colors might be different. The shapes might be different. The words we use might be different, but ultimately it comes down to figuring out who we really are, what that means to us and who we want to be. And then we go, okay, here's where I'm at. Here's where I want to be. And now I need a roadmap to get there. In fact, that's why I call it a roadmap in my book is because there's signposts along the way, there are detours along the way, but we've got to take responsibility for which detours we take, for which roads we take. And I'm saying, hey, here's a road that I really suggest you consider. Mm -hmm. And it's based in principles and values as opposed to abstract concepts and mysticism and magic because it's not magic. It's really not. It's a choice. Let's start with that first position that you talked about. You you, you come to terms with where you are. Right. And it's not bad that you are where you are. I see some people... Lacey, I've I've heard it so many times, you know, well, this happened to me and that happened to me and I was abused and I was mistreated and I experienced this and I experienced that. And it's it's almost like they're saying, and so I'm totally and permanently messed up and I'm in a bad place. And I don't think that's a helpful place to start. No, it's not only is it not helpful, but it keeps you keeps you trapped and paralyzed because if everything that happened to you has made you who you are and you don't have a say, what's the point? Then, yeah. Where do we go from there? Right. That, that starting place. So I said, it's not bad that you are where you are. No, not at all. In fact, becoming really aware of where you are can make you go, okay, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. And even in my book, I talk about, let's take responsibility for the past. Now, I've been in that place of all of this stuff happened to me and, Mm. and, you know, Me Too movement is a big thing. And we've all quite literally been to hell and back. How we got there is different. What we did while we were there is different. We have all been through some really hard stuff. You don't get out of this life without having hard stuff happen to you. Right. The point is okay, this hard stuff happened and now what am I going to do? I truly believe, whether you call it God or the universe or whatever, I call it God, source, um, I truly believe there's a power greater than us and that we always, always have our agency. We always get to choose. Now, mind you, I've been in that place of all of this happened to me and now I'm broken beyond repair and I can't be fixed. 
then I had a friend say to me one time, a broken Lacey. I don't think that's possible. And I went, wait a second. He's right. I'm not broken. I've just got some stuff I'm dealing with like everybody else. And so now what am I going to do with it? And I would never suggest taking responsibility for abuse that happened or anything like that. That is 100% not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, what did I do with the abuse afterwards? Mm. Or what did I do with the trauma afterwards? What did I do with the death of my friend afterwards? Mm. Or my child or my spouse, you know, what did I do with it? How did I choose into where I'm at now, because if you take that power of how did I, how did I choose into what I'm at, where I'm at now, then you can choose out of it and you can choose into something better. That's a dilemma and maybe well, a paradox too. I mean, what you're talking about is so key to our happiness. You use the word responsibility and I think it's important to make a distinction between blame and responsibility. Yes. And fault and responsibility. And fault, exactly, which which implies some kind of a deficit or a, things are not the way that they should be, sort of a feel. When I was writing my book, Lacey, I, I, I was wrestling with this word responsibility because one of the dictionary definitions is blame. Like who's responsible? Who's to blame for this? And I don't like that. I think blame is a victim kind of a paradigm. Yes. And so I overcame that in my own book by splitting it into two words, response, ability. It's your ability to respond. Yes. And when we look at it that way, like you're saying, okay, so this happened. Now what? Right. You've got the ability to respond to this thing from an agent standpoint instead of a victim standpoint. And that's what I think is so powerful about your message. So powerful. And let's point out, not easy. Like it's simple. It is not easy. It is so hard because we've got so much pain. Yeah. And we've been programmed. I, I use that word programming kind of like um, understanding that we speak English at least on this podcast, we're speaking English, right? Lacey, you and I have both been programmed to speak English. True. It's not like we decided to. It's not like we chose this. We were just programmed to speak English. Are there other languages? Well, sure there are. And English is not the only language. It's not the right language. It's just the one that we've been programmed with. And in a similar way, as we come up through our life, sometimes that programming takes hold. And it's not that we can't change it. Right. As we, as we recognize it, that's what I love about what you're doing, Lacey, because you're, through your message, you're speaking, your book, you're illuminating to people that they actually have some choice in the matter. But like you said, it's not easy. If I were to choose a different language, could I do that? Well, sure. sure. Hours and hours of practice later, you might be able to ask someone their name and how to get to the bathroom. It's going to be a whole lot of work, isn't it? Yeah, so much work. And that's and what even, you meant about it's going to be a lot of work. Yeah, well, and even in learning a new language, I love that analogy. Learning a new language, then 
it's very easy to forget the new language and go back to our old language. I learned French, but I can remember a few dozen words. Mm-hmm. They're still there, but in order to pick that back up and be able to use it, I, I should have maintained it. I'm going to have to practice. I'm going to have to take some more classes to learn it again. So mm-hmm. we can forget if we're not diligent and intentional about remembering the new language and using it. Exactly. It's an active process. Right. Not just a passive one. Yeah, if we try to go passive, we're not going to pick up much. <laughs> we're not going to get very far. Well, you know what? I I had enough science back in high school and college to understand that there's um, the laws of thermodynamics, one of which is entropy, which means that things will tend toward a more disorganized state unless you intentionally take them to a more organized state. It's kind of like gravity always pulls us down. You never hear of somebody falling up. And so, yeah, to let go of it, like you're saying, it's going to disintegrate. It's going to go downhill unless we intentionally take it to a higher place. Elevation requires effort. Yeah. So I'm just adding my validation as if you needed it to what you're saying about this is hard. Well, if it's hard, folks, that's awesome. Because we're probably going the right direction. Well, and I'm exactly. And I'm fascinated by brain science. Like if I had it to do over again, I'd probably be a neuroscientist. It's just fascinating. And we get these pathways where we're used to going this certain way. And it's kind of like the Grand Canyon and the water just naturally flows down the Grand Canyon mm-hmm. and it gets deeper and deeper. We have those pathways in our brains. Right. And when we grow up and we just happen to learn English, those English pathways get really deep. And it's just like how we manage our emotions, how we manage upset, how we manage anger, mm-hmm. how we calm ourselves as infants. We either learn to soothe ourselves in healthy ways or we don't based on the environment. But I believe we can repair that damage as long as we're intentional. And you taught me this principle, tap into that creative energy and power that we're born with to make something we want, which I think is tied right in with our agency and our ability to choose. What do I want to create? And is it going to be hard to carve a Grand Canyon going different direction? Well, sure. It's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. And it's absolutely worth it. Not only worth it, but necessary if we want to create something new and different in our lives for ourselves, our children, anybody. Yes. And knowing that it will be hard sometimes prepares us to do the work that will be necessary. So we're not dissuaded when it becomes hard. That's probably part of the dealio. Yeah. Folks, this is Lacey Elena Bentley today at Live On Purpose Radio. We're going to continue this discussion when we get back, Lacey, and get into some of those principles that you've eliminated in your book. Awesome. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R. 
drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose. DrPaulJenkins.com And we're back. Lacey Elena Bentley, Overcoming Love Addiction. That's the title of your book. Yeah. Lacey, we talked in the first half about some things that you and I both teach and we get really excited about, you know, the philosophy of agency and and the basic principles that determine all of life's outcomes. And we can talk philosophy all day. You, in your book, you've drilled this down to a, a specific application. Talk to us for a minute, if you will, about overcoming love addiction. What is that all about? Okay, for women, it's quite nuanced and there are a lot of facets. I don't just address love love addiction as we might call it out in the world or clinically or whatever. Because as someone who has dealt with it, I've realized how just how faceted it is. We're, mm. t- we're talking about um, romance. We're talking about fantasy, fantasy, which is just another word for dissociation or distraction. I use the word distraction a lot in my book. Um, uh, yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> kind of, well, the, the image I just had, do you remember the old TV commercial? Calgon, take me away. Yes. <laughs> it's like, get me out of my real life. I want my fantasy life. Right. That's what right. you're talking about. That is what I'm talking about. Well, I'm not talking about the self-care distraction. Like Calgon could be a self-care distraction. Right. But that's in the sense of escaping your real life into some fantasy world. That's more what I was going. And especially for women in our overly sexualized, overly romanticized culture. And I don't mean romantic like the great poets. I mean romantic like the butterflies in the stomach and the infatuation, like we could just as well call this infatuation addiction. Um, Mm. It's just this draw to something new and tantalizing. And I address that a lot in my book because I feel like if as women, we can tap into what it is we're doing with our emotions and this draw we have as a society towards the new and the novel and the enticing and the tantalizing that that if we can tap into that and take it and use it to create something intentional like a family or a career or a fantastic movement like I'm trying to start here with women of increasing fidelity and integrity especially in marriage and within themselves we can change the world. A dear friend of mine and colleague, Real Croshaw, once said, when women recover, societies recover. And that is one of my, I mentioned that in the book, one of the best things I've ever heard. And I truly believe that there is an adversary who is distracting women with romance novels and tantalizing fan fiction, pornography. More and more women are getting hooked on pornography. Or like has happened to a lot of the women I work with, just getting distracted with 
relationships outside of their marriage, whether with men or women, because I work with women who have had romantic relationships outside of their heterosexual marriages with other women, because we just have this desire to feel something strong all the time. And if we're not intentional about creating that in our own lives, purposefully and directed where we want it to go, it will, that need and that craving to create something powerful will constantly drive us to something that we really, truly don't want. Like a string of shallow, superficial relationships. Right. Even emotional, extramarital affairs. I mean, an affair doesn't have to be physical. It doesn't have to be sexual. Right. It can be intellectual, emotional. So this is what you're referring to as the love addiction. It's that it intense need for, for the, the flutters and the feelings. Yep. And creating that any way that we can. Well, the quickest ways to create those tend to be less healthy or adaptive. Absolutely. And the world, the world will tell us and show us in romantic comedies and in fan fiction and in popular novels and movies will tell us that it's supposed to feel this intense all the time. And the truth is life doesn't, isn't supposed to feel so intense all the time. True love isn't always butterflies. Now, I mean, I've been married to my husband. We've been together for 22 years, married for almost 21. And for a long time, I wasn't getting butterflies because of my fantasy world. Ah. But I like that was interfering with what was real. Yes, I couldn't like I couldn't be with what was real because it wasn't as intense as what wasn't real. Mm-hmm. And I thought that meant there was something with my merit wrong with my marriage, but I came to realize that I wasn't intentionally creating what I wanted and therefore my natural man if you will was driving me towards something superficial. And now I never had an affair physical sexual affair but the emotional distraction the emotional intensity with other men was there the intellectual intensity i'm a high input a high output i i like to create a lot i like to bring a lot into my brain i like mm-hmm. to put a lot out that's why this whole movement i'm trying to create is so perfect for me because it keeps me really busy and intellectually stimulated mhm And I didn't realize until a while back when I went, holy cow, I think I'm actually having like an intellectual affair over here. This is where I'm wanting to put all of my emotion. This is where I'm wanting to put all of my time. Interesting. Yeah. And it it was actually very eye-opening. Which when we understand the dynamics that are associated with an addiction, it's not that different from alcohol, pornography, some of the other things that are highly addictive, but you've identified a specific niche here that tends to affect a lot of particularly women. And men are not immune from this either. Oh, no. No, absolutely not. So, interesting, fascinating. What, What do you do? If you find yourself in the position, do you have a few tips, Lacey, that you might be able to share with, with our listeners? Sure, I would love to. First of all, take a deep breath. Congratulations. Your sexuality is working. Oh, good. Congratulations. <laughs> and that's I, good news. 
Yay, good news. Like your need to create and feel and be actively and intimately and intensely involved in your life is on fire. It's working. So just That's good breathe. news. Right. Good news. Very good news. Because yeah. it's when you're super, super numb that there's an issue. And that's the problem with addiction is it numbs us. And eventually we get to where we live in now. Right. So, so, and then we seek more and more stimulation that's unnatural. So it's okay. Like I, even we tell our kids, one of our kids, mom, I looked up porn and I was like, Oh, what'd you see? He tells me. And I'm like, okay, congratulations. You're a teenage boy. Your sexuality is intact. That was supposed to be alluring to you. And now what do you want to do about it? He's like, I never want to look at it again. Okay. Well, we clearly need to fix the filters that I thought were good enough on our computers at home. And hey, we can talk about this. Never perfect. (laughs) No, our filters are not. No, never. Our mental ones or our computer ones. Yeah. So just, I think what's important is to celebrate and just be, be like, okay, great. I'm, I'm working properly. This is supposed to be tantalizing. It is. I'm working properly and now I need to be a responsible adult and choose what I do with it Mm. and choose into fidelity and integrity and recovery as opposed to acting out with other people, acting in with yourself and fantasy, that kind of thing. And finding someone to be accountable with. This is what I recommend to all of the women I work with. And in fact, in the groups I have, after about the second week when they've gotten to know each other a little bit, I send out an email. Okay, if you're willing to be contacted by the other women in the group, send me back and I'm in. And mm-hmm. I'll share all the email or all of the, not emails, all of the phone numbers. So you guys can start to be each other's accountability partners. And I call them sisters in recovery and friends in recovery. Let's build you a network of women who are also trying to live in integrity and fidelity. So that you have someone to call when you're wanting to go off of the easy path. It's the canyon in your brain of distraction and intensity and stay in real because eventually our minds real set will reset. Like now my husband comes home and I get excited. I'm like, my honey's home. Like we can reset our brains to be excited at what's real. It just takes time. So having patience with yourself. We've got to have patience with ourselves. Not an excuse, not permission, but we do need to be patient and realize this takes some time. And sometimes the water's going to go down the Grand Canyon as opposed to what we're trying to create. Patience, forgiveness, tolerance. Those are all principles, I'm thinking. Yeah, love, self-compassion, personal responsibility. So I asked you for some tips and you, you went immediately to, Hey, be nice to yourself. Yes, please. (laughs) Be nice. And I'm glad you went there, Lacey, because, oh my gosh, we just, we beat ourselves up way too much. And let's say you mentioned spirituality a little bit. And I heard a quote just this last week that I loved. And it is, religion is for those who are trying to avoid hell. (laughs) Spirituality is for those who have already been there. Amen. (laughs) Testify. (laughs) Ah, ah. Absolutely. 
And the fact that you've experienced this does not mean that you're bad or awful or terrible or horrible or unworthy. It probably means that you're human. Yep. Accept that and be so patient and tolerant and forgiving with yourself. Because that puts you in a position now that you can move forward and take some of these other steps. Lacey, you said make a commitment to integrity and fidelity and the things that you truly stand for. Realizing that you've got some programming that might take you down a different direction. Yeah. It's going to be some work. Yeah, well, and that's exactly why I call them values and not just principles, because a value is a principle that you commit to. Nobody has to commit to a principle, but in order to value something, you need to see worth in it. You need to Mm -hmm. see that it could be positive in your life in some way. Or negative, be like, no, I don't want this. Okay, great. You've assigned, you have not assigned it the same value I have. Right. That's okay too. We can disagree. This worked for me, worked for dozens of other women I've worked with. And if you find something better to replace it with, excellent. You've shared your story in this book, you've shared what you've learned, the principles and values that might create a roadmap for those who are looking for some relief, some recovery. Yep. Tell us a little bit as, as we wrap up here today about where people can find you, your book. I think there's a website, right? There's a website. There's an email address. There's a book. So your website is Her Recovery Roadmap. Did I get that right? Yep. Dot Her- com. HerRecoveryRoadmap.com. Yep. And when they go there, they're going to see an image of, of your book. Uh-huh. A woman holding... that available, right? Yeah. My book is available to anyone who wants it. There's a woman holding a big red heart in her hands. That's how you know you're in the right place. And scroll down. There's a red box. Give me your email address, and I will send you a copy of the book. Or if you want to email me directly... I've had quite a few women do that. I love it. Um, it's just Lacey, L-A-C-Y, at herrecoveryroadmap.com. Oh, I love to hear stories. I love to get questions. Yeah, reach out. either. Website. And you're also available for speaking, for training, for sharing your message in other ways? Yeah, mentorship, coaching. I love to guest blog. I love to do interviews like this. Just Wonderful. Whatever. Wonderful. And thank you. Um, folks, what, what Lacey's talking about here is a complimentary PDF copy of her book. A whole book. Not the even a chapter. Thing. The whole thing. Wonderful. And uh, thank you again, Lacey, for coming to Live on Purpose Radio here today and for sharing your message. No problem. Thank you, Dr. Paul, for having me. It's been awesome. Hopefully you've all picked up something from this conversation that you might be able to use. And now it's time to go live on purpose. 